Today, Pastor Javen concludes the series, My Hope is In. Today, we'll see that our hope is in the Prince of Peace. Take a moment to pause and pray, preparing your heart for today's service. So I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, didn't eat too much. I did. That's why I'm staying a little loose this morning. So forgive me uh, for that. But uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to eat some more today. But anyway, um, then I'll go work out this weekend or this week. All right. So, but I hope you had a good Thanksgiving uh, and uh, we're glad that you're here today. We are concluding this series that we've been in called My Hope is In. Where we have been talking about who our hope as a believer, as a follower of Christ is in. We said that for the follower of Christ, our, our hope is not just wishful thinking, you know. Uh, our hope is not, you know, something that's kind of a reckless emotion. It is an anticipation and expectation that our God is working in our life, even when we might not be able to see him working and see him moving. God is at work. We said our hope is also personified in the person of Jesus Christ. As, as Isaiah prophesied, he said he would be called Emmanuel, God with us. So God came to this earth to be with us. And he was called, he was named Jesus, which means the Lord has come to save. So God with us was the Lord who come to save us. And he was our hope personified. And as Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter nine, he would also be called wonderful counselor, everlasting father, mighty God, and prince of peace. And that's what we've been looking at over these last several weeks. We said, he's our wonderful counselor. He's the one that's beyond all understanding, the one that, that has the wisdom to speak into what we're, we're, we're facing, to give us the solution and the power to enforce the solution. And if we'll just sit down with him, we're honest with him, we desire him to move in our life, we listen, we obey, then uh, he'll take us from where we are to where we need to be. We said he's the mighty God. And if we have our aha moment to understand that, that God has all power, that he, by, he created the heavens and the earth by his power. Nothing is too difficult for him, as, as, as Jeremiah said. That he is the great I am. And if we just begin to put our hope in the one who is, instead of those things that are not, then we would begin to see our hope strengthen in the one who has all power. And he would be our strength in our moments of weakness. He's our mighty God. We said last week, he is our everlasting father. Our hope is our everlasting father because Jesus Christ points us to the father. Jesus said, when you look to him, you see the father. That's what he told his disciples. That's what he told us. And that he said that your faith is not just philosophical. Your faith is not informational. Your faith is made personal through him, through a relationship with the father, through Jesus Christ. And as we begin to know the father and know him, he works in our life and he, he prunes what needs to be pruned. And he begins to produce fruit in us and in our life so that what we do we're all, our identity is never in what we do. Our identity is always in the fact that we're a child of God and who he's creating us to be. And today we're going we're gonna to conclude by looking at our hope is in the Prince of Peace. How many of you could use some peace in your life today? God, he is our Prince of Peace. In the 90s, there was a sitcom. Uh, I used to love watching it. Um, uh, but uh, there was an episode of this sitcom. Um, one of the characters was given a phrase to express whenever he felt like the peace in his life was being attacked. And another character picked up that phrase from him, a couple other characters. And so that, this, the phrase was kind of the central theme of the show. And everything that they were dealing with, anytime they dealt with anything that attacked their peace in life, they would begin to express this phrase. And when I say the phrase, you, if you watch the show, you'll remember it. Serenity now! 
That was the phrase. That was it. Anytime they yelled out, serenity now, they knew. Like that, that was their way. I need peace. I need peace. Peace. And you find near the end of this episode, near the end of the show, the phrase doesn't pan out well for them. One of the characters who's constantly saying, goes insane. He destroys 25 computers, computers of his friend. Uh, the other one, his wife starts driving her car into the garage where he's doing his work. So, I mean, it's, he, he did not find the serenity he was looking for. But oftentimes, you know, we, we think that on the other side of cute mantras and tactics, we might find our peace. But internal peace is not found in, in cute mantras, right? Uh, peace is, is the ultimate peace we are looking for is found in one place. And in fact, when we look at the news today, and some of you may not even look at the news because it's so hard to find peace. You know, I've heard people say I've stopped watching the news just because of how it attacks. And I get it. I don't watch the news much anymore. I'd read a lot of news. I I read news. In fact, I I looked at some headlines this week. Just look at these headlines with me. And let's just, let's just look at these and see, does this bring peace? Retailers ramp up security. Cities reroute traffic to combat organized theft rings. All right, listen, 82 year old man attacked by dirt bike ATV riders in Boston. All right, Southern California faces years worse fire threat amid Santa Ana wind event. Another one, a 15-year-old arrested in Colorado shooting that injured six high school students. Another, a Pasadena shootout, gunman kills elderly man, takes two women hostage. Uh, I think I got one more. World's highest child soldier numbers in West Central Africa. Ukrainian Air Force holds drills, including airstrikes, right? Uh, uh, oh, I got another. Martinique, shots fired at police as anger rises over COVID curbs. I mean, we read these headlines and there's not a lot of peace that comes from headlines like that, is there? You know, you don't get a lot of peace from that kind of stuff. And, and, and there's not a lot in our, you know, I'm, I'm imagining that there's things in our life that battle for your peace. We face sickness. You know, we face uncertainty in our life. What we, some of you, we may not know what's going to happen tomorrow. We, we face a lot of struggles, things that we're dealing with. Some of us are, are looking for answers to prayers and we're just not seeing that answer to prayer and it's attacking, it's battling our peace. Some of us have relational issues and, it, and, and our peace is under attack in our life. You know, whatever it is, there's things that battle for our peace. But I want you to know today and I want you to hear the words of Isaiah and the words of Jesus in just a moment that he is our prince of peace. That our hope can be in the one who is the chief leader of peace. That there is no one that can bring peace in the way that Jesus Christ can bring peace in our life. The word in the Hebrew for prince is the word sar, S-A-R. And in fact, the word, the other words that you see national leaders and, and terms for leaders in other places, it comes from that word sar, like in Germany, Kaiser. That comes from the word Tsar, in, in Russia, the czar, that comes from that Hebrew word, Tsar. In Jesus' day, Caesar, that came from the word Tsar in the Hebrew. It was these leaders, these, these people that, so when you hear that word, it's like, oh wait, if, if he is a prince of peace, that means he is a leader of peace, unlike anyone else we can fathom. He is someone that's going to bring peace in a way that no other leader has ever brought peace into our world before. And that's who Jesus is. 
And we go back to John chapter 14. I want us to see a sentence from Jesus that speaks to peace. And just to remind you, we've looked at John chapter 14 a couple of times over these last couple of weeks. And just to remind you the conversation that's happening here. In the beginning of John chapter 14, Jesus is letting his disciples know that he's about to leave. He's about to go away. And, uh, and, and he's going to the father and the disciples don't understand where he's going. They say, well, we want to go with you. How do we get there? And Jesus says, you know how to get there. Cause you know me. And the, he says that one part, I am the way, the truth and the life. He says, this is how you know to get, you know me. So you know how to get there. And I'm going to the father. Well, God, Jesus, show us the father. Jesus said, you've seen the, you've seen me. You've seen the father, right? We had that conversation. And then Jesus told him, uh, you know, I'm leaving, but we are not leaving you alone because remember he is the everlasting father. So we're sending the Holy spirit, an advocate that's going to be with you. He's going to walk with you. He's going to guide you. He also serves as a counselor. It's amazing by the way, to see all of these titles that Isaiah talks about, how they all work in unison together with one another. So the, so the Holy spirit is going to be left with us. And then Jesus makes this statement in John. We see it in John's gospel, John chapter 14, verse 27. He says this, he says, I'm leaving with you a gift. Okay. This is a gift to you. Peace of mind and heart. There's some of you today. I want you to open this as early Christmas present. Because you've had a lot of restlessness in your life lately. And, and you just need to know today, Jesus is and can be your peace. It's a gift to you that he's given you. And he says, and the peace I give you is a gift the world cannot give. He says, so don't be troubled or afraid. His peace is unlike anything we can find in this world. It's a hope and a reassurance that goes beyond anything the world can offer. You, know, you think about how we try to get peace in the world and, 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 and through worldly tactics or measures, kind of going back to that show that I referenced earlier. You know, the peace we often try to get from the world is, is, is a peace that's really just kind of a momentary escape. It's something that eases the pain, Right? It's, it's, it's something that numbs the pain. It's something that's a distraction for us. The, the peace that the world tries to offer is often circumstantial. It's often conditional. You know, it, it tries to, to, to place in us a, a thought. If we can just get away from, if we can quit, if we can run away, if we can't do that, then maybe let's medicate or let's, Go to whatever our comfort idol is and let's get over here. Then we can find that peace. And, and those things might bring momentary peace, but they do not bring true internal peace. Jesus Christ is the only one that can give us that kind of peace. And Jesus's peace is different than the world because it's not circumstantial. It's not conditional. In fact, Jesus's peace can exist even within whatever circumstance we face. It's a peace that the apostle Paul described to the church in Philippi. He said that this is a peace that goes beyond understanding. Now, I don't know if you've ever really let the revelation of that phrase sink into you. I, rem I don't remember the day and time when it sunk into me. I grew up in church 
And sometimes when you grow up in church, there's certain phrases that just, they just kind of, they become sayings that you say. They become things you say, and they've never really taken root and you understand them. And so the peace that passes understanding, that was just kind of like one of these things that I would just say. And I would pray and I said, God, you're, you're the peace that passes understanding. And then one day when I said it, all of a sudden it just hit. And it was like the peace that passes understanding. Wait a minute. The peace that passes understanding. The peace that goes beyond our understanding. In other words, I don't have to understand to have peace. And so it was just, it became this revelation, something so simple. You may be looking at me and say, well, why did it take you so long to figure that out? You know, but but it, it was just something that was so powerful. Like, because I'm a guy, I like to understand what's going on. I've told you before, like with my kids, I, it, when, when it's hard to talk, because my thing is, I want let's get to a solution, right? Because my mind is always thinking, well, let's, how can we solve? How can we get better? How can we make this work better? How can we make this change? How can we do this? And so uh, you, I want to understand. But sometimes we don't understand. That's life. And when we don't understand, sometimes that battles and wrestles with us and and disturbs our peace. But Jesus, and through his Holy Spirit, he says, my peace exists even though you don't understand. So if you're constantly putting your trust in me, you'll have my peace even though you don't understand. I want us to see where, where, where Paul was telling the church of Philippi, this go with me to Philippians chapter four. And let's just look at this passage of scripture for just a moment. And, and mind you, Paul's writing this from a prison <laughs> and he, he writes these words, knowing his fate, Philippians chapter four, verse four, he says, always, always be full of joy in the Lord. And he's just, I just want to say it again, just so you make sure you understand what I'm saying. Rejoice. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy, the joy, the joy of the Lord is my strength, right? He says, so rejoice. He says, let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. Did anybody see you being considerate Friday? They, you, you weren't out shopping Friday, so they, they didn't have to see if you were being considered or not. There was a lot of people that weren't considered Friday. I saw it on the news. All right, anyway. He says, remember, the Lord is coming soon. He said, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. I love that phrase. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. And then he says, tell God what you need. And then do what? Thanking, thanking for all he's done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which what? Which exceeds anything we can understand. It goes beyond understanding. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what's true and honorable and right and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. In other words, 
if you want to stay in a place of peace, stop talking so much about things that don't bring peace in your life. Because if you're talking about those things, that means you're thinking about those things. So stop thinking so much about those things that don't bring you peace. And start thinking about that which is excellent, which is trustworthy, which is honorable, which is pure, which is admirable. Think about those things. And then in regards to everything else, pray and thank God. It's not just a a, a one day out of the year thing when we sit down and eat a lot of turkey and ham and dressing and stuffing and corn and beans and mashed potatoes and chicken and dumplings and whatever else you ate. It's not just on that day when we pause and thank God. It's when we look every day of our life. God, you know all my needs. I submit them to you today and I thank you for being with me in all of them. I'm thankful today for what I have. I'm thankful today that you are with me. I'm thankful for the blessings you've given me. I'm thankful the way that you have worked in my life. I'm thankful today I got breath. I'm thankful today I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm walking. I'm thankful today that what, whatever it is that I can find to be thankful for, just thank God in it. Because he says on the other side of your prayer and your thanksgiving is his peace. And it's that peace that goes beyond you understanding. That's his peace. And you may hear that kind of thought about the person that's always thinking about things that are holy and admirable and lovely. Well, that's just a positive poly. And positive poly gets on my nerves. People are so positive all the time. Well, I would rather be around a positive poly than a negative Nelly. All right. And if you, if you're someone that would say, I would rather be around a negative Nelly, that probably means you're a negative Nelly. So um, so we'll pray for you today. We'll give thanks for you, but we'll pray for you. <laughs> but listen, it's not just all positivity. It's the fact that you're thinking about what God wants you to think about so that you have peace in your life. Because God wants to bring you peace. See, this peace that we have, the, the, the peace that God's talking about is a peace called shalom. Maybe you've heard that word before. We had a, a sweet lady that used, she, she moved to North Carolina, I think it was, or West Virginia, somewhere around in there. Okay, see, y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. She was a greeter. She, every time she saw you, she'd give you a hug and she'd say, shalom, shalom. And, and what that word means is it, it means that there is a rightness, a wholeness, a completeness that comes with that peace. It's a peace that brings rightness, wholeness, and completeness. And this is, exa- this is exactly what Jesus did for us. He came and he brought a rightness, a wholeness, and a completeness to two, two areas. To our relationship with God. One, first and foremost. Paul said it this way in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. He said this. He said that we can have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. When we make ourselves right through faith in God, putting our faith in God, we are at peace with the Father. So like I talked about last, last week, if you haven't made that, taken that step to, to come to know God as your Father and to begin a relationship with Him, to begin walking with, with, with Him, becoming a follower of Christ, being a disciple, learning to know what it means to follow God, I encourage you again today, just begin to take that step to get to know Jesus. 
If you need to know more what it means to be a disciple of follow Christ, come talk to me. I will get you some resources to help you see what it means to be a disciple of Christ. But just take that step. And Paul said it also in the letter of Rome, in his letter to Rome. He said, if you want to be a follower of Christ, then you need to believe in your heart. Jesus is who he is. What he did was true. And then confess it with your mouth. When you, be, when you take that first step, then start walking with God. You, God, Jesus, the Prince of Peace, is giving you peace between you and the Father. But the other thing that he does is he brings peace between all of us and between those we come in contact with every day. He helps us to live at peace with those around us. In fact, Jesus said it this way about those who would become children of God. We we see it in the gospel of Matthew when he's preaching what's been called the Sermon on the Mount. It's in Matthew chapter five, verse nine. He says this, he says, bless, you may know it this way, blessed are the peacemakers. This translation says, blessed are those who work for peace. The hearers would probably think of the psalmist's words that encourage them to constantly be pursuing peace. He says, for they will be called children of God or sons of God. Right? So he wants us to be peacemakers, people who pursue peace. I started thinking about this more because often we hear the term peacekeeper. We hear peacemaker. I started looking at it. I found a description from an Air Force chaplain. I thought, well, this would be great to get it from someone who works in a field that is constantly pursuing peace. And this Air Force chaplain is a guy by the name of Mark Hill. I don't know who he is, but he kind of talked about the two. And basically the description he gave, peacekeepers are someone that really, they're just kind of, they're more concerned about avoiding conflict kind of maintaining the absence of conflict rather than getting to the root of what causes the conflict. They just, they're the ones that, that kind of say, all right, well, let's just not talk about that because if we talk about it, it's just going to keep stirring it up. Let's, let's redirect everything away. So let's just maintain the absence of conflict. He said a peacemaker is someone that that goes in and, and they, they look at the obstacles that are preventing the peace and they try to speak into those things. Let's, let's look at what's causing the conflict and let's see if we can find a solution for what's causing the conflict. So if we can think about Jesus's words, maybe we can think about it this way. Blessed are the ones who are willing to speak into what's conflicting with our peace and conflicting with the peace in our life. Because here's the thing that Jesus knew. He knew that on the other side of truth, when you unveil what's causing the conflict of truth and, uh, of peace in your life, you find the truth behind it. Then on the other side of it is healing. On the other side of it is, 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 is him working in our life and his peace working in our life. But when we look at it, you can kind of look in three ways. You, you keep thinking about this. You've really got three different groups of people that kind of that kind of work in regards to peace. You've got one group of people who could care less about peace. And this is the group of people and and their, their response is always like this. Their response is always, let me blame and let me point fingers. Because if I do that, then I'm going to stir things up. I'm going to instigate. We call them instigators, right? These are the ones that gossip. These are the ones that spread a lot of stuff. These are the ones that attack. They're in attack mode. And we can, we see it all the time in our life. And, and it's not always out in public. Sometimes it's on a screen, 
we see it. Right? So you've got this group of people. Hopefully you don't fall in that place today where you're constantly throwing out words of attack or you're constantly pointing fingers or you constantly don't. Because those are the people that don't care about peace. Then you've got the other people that they try to keep peace, but what they're doing is they're either just denying that anything is there, they ignore it, they make excuses for it, or they just kind of try to escape what's happening. And some of that can be momentarily okay. But then you've got the ones who want to make for peace. And this is where we need to strive to fall. The ones that make for peace are the ones that have, that, 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 that seek God for wisdom to do what the, what Solomon told his boys in the Proverbs to do. He says, sometimes we need to overlook an offense. Not everything is worth the fuss. Sometimes we take an offense too personally, or we take something that happened too personally. Sometimes we read into things too much. Sometimes we just need to have the wisdom to say, God, is this an offense I just need to overlook? Sometimes we need the wisdom to talk about the offense. Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 18, you kind of see the description of how Jesus tells people to handle conflict. First, you go to the person, go to the person, go to the person. Not that person, not your friend, not that their friend, not them over there, the person. And not attack, talk. Have a conversation and see, like, all right, what, where's the conflict coming from? Then if we need help, then we get others in that can help guide the conversation to bring some type of production and produce from it. And sometimes the person that makes for peace too, God gives them the ability to forgive because we need that ability to forgive in our life, to make for peace. So we need to be people that pursue peace. So I want us to understand this real quick as we close. God's law served basically as as guidelines for God's people to know how to love God and to love their neighbor. In fact, Jesus summed up the law this way. He said, the the, the law can be summed up this way. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. You do those things, you're fulfilling the law. And then God told his disciples, or Jesus told his disciples, and he gave us all a new command before he went to the cross. He said, a new command I give you, love one another in the same way that I've loved you. And so what Jesus did with his life is Jesus demonstrated that really most often the way we love God is how we express love to others. You see, the peace that Jesus, the Prince of Peace gives us, the peace that makes us right with God, and it's a peace that makes us right with others. So you, you look at Galatians. In Galatians chapter... Five. Paul says these words. He said, when you, in verse 19, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, other sins like these. When you hear that list... There's not a lot of peace in that list. There may be some things that you think, well, that's a momentary time of fun and a momentary peace. There's no real internal peace there. 
And he says this, he says, let me tell you again, as, I've, as I have before, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. He says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. He produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. He produces these things in our life. And then he says this, he says, there is no law against those things. In other words, what Paul is pointing out is he's saying this. He's saying, if you have that relationship with the father and you let the father work in you, then the father's going to begin to produce this certain kind of fruit in you. And remember, fruit is not for the benefit of itself. It's for the benefit of others. So as the fruit of the Spirit produces in your life, that love is not for you. It's for those you come in contact with. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all those things, they're, they're fruit in us that help us to, no matter what the circumstance is that we can't understand, that peace that's evident in our life, that fruit begins to go out from those circumstances and people see us respond in those circumstances, it gives them hope. You ever looked at someone and said, oh, there's hope for the world based on how they responded to something? Every time someone sees you respond in a way that exhibits the fruit of the Spirit, you are giving them hope. But that hope comes because you have hope in the Prince of Peace, the one that produces it in you. Because see, the Son of God was the Prince of Peace who came to bring peace to us and the Father and peace with each other. And one last passage as we wrap this up. Ephesians 2. I just want you to hear Paul's words. He's writing to a church that's predominantly not Jewish. People who began following Christ that were not a part of the original covenant with the nation of Israel. He says these words, starting in verse 14 of chapter 2, he says, For Christ himself has brought what? Peace to us. He united both those who were a part of the original covenant, this old covenant that we read, this Old Testament, that whole nation that was a part of that old covenant, he united that group with everybody else. And he united us into one people. When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of what? Hostility. That separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. And so when we just live and let the fruit develop in us, we don't have to worry about the law. Because we're obeying the law. He says he made peace between all of those of that old covenant and everyone else by creating in himself one new people from two groups. And together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to who? To God. We now have peace between us and God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility toward each other was put to death. We can have peace with each other because of Christ. He brought this good news of peace to you, the Gentiles, those 
not a part of the original covenant, who were far away from Him, and peace to those who were a part of the original covenant. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Our hope is in the wonderful Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. That's who our hope is in. And as we put our hope in the Prince of Peace, we put our hope in the one who unites us, who makes us right and complete and whole with our Father and who can make us right and complete and whole with one another. Amen. Stand with me as we close in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time and this moment. I thank you for these last several weeks where we can see and understand who we can put our hope in. And we thank you today that our hope can be in the Prince of Peace because there's so much in this world that wants to attack our peace, that wants to disturb our peace, that wants to rattle our peace. But Father, you give us a peace through Christ and through your Holy Spirit unlike any we can find anywhere else in this world. And so I pray today for anyone in this room that has been wrestling in their life and in their spirit. I pray today that they experience the peace that comes Jesus. And I pray today that that you will give them a peace that even though they don't understand, they still have peace in you today. And I thank you for it, Father. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you need prayer in any way today, we would love for you to reach out to us. You can go to our website, bwccamden.com. Go to our contact page. You'll find the link there to Uh, request prayer or send us anything that you uh, would like to communicate with us today. Or you can also simply text the word prayer to 803-676-7566. And we will be back in touch with you to find out how we can be in prayer for you. God bless you. We hope that you have a great week.